I woke up this morning with an itch in my throat, and I realized after Bong's kind of the announcements, it's probably because of VBS. Five days will really take it out of you. But I have loved being able to spend it with the children um, and really just being able to share the word of the Lord with them. Uh, so my name is Alex Evangelista. For those who don't know me, I am one of the seminary interns here. Um, I've had the pleasure to be here for nine weeks. As Mong said, I have one week left, which is just unreal how fast this time has gone. But I have, been, I have loved being able to share those 10 weeks with each and every one of you to get to know each and one of you a little bit better. But it's been such an enriching summer for me. Um, as you know, Kelly is also preaching. The other intern is preaching on the other side. She's probably either, you know, almost done with her sermon, maybe in the middle of it, um, and probably would have been wiser to have gone to the traditional service for that. But here you are stuck with me this morning. So I am happy that I'm here with you all this morning. Before we jump in, let's begin with prayer. Oh God, who wrestles with us, we ask that you circle our hearts that you center our minds, that you may still our bodies and be present to us now. And may the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be holy and pleasing to you. Amen. So our passage this morning, it comes from Genesis. Genesis 32, verses 22 to 31. This should be on the screen. Wonderful. And it goes like this. The same night he got up and took his two wives, his two maids, and his eleven children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise everything he had. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, He struck him on the hip of the socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go. The day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then the man said, you should no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with humans and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. The word of the Lord. So knowing it's VBS Sunday and Communion Sunday, I'm going to waste no time since I don't have that much time to share what I've been excited to share with you this morning. So I'm going to dig right in. This morning, I want to focus on one thing, on one aspect of the text this morning, and that's Jacob's new name. Right? He is no longer named Jacob, but now he's going to be known as Israel, which means one who struggles with God, one who struggles with human beings. In this name change, you may ask, why is it important to us today? You know, I remember sitting in Bible studies and children's church 
when I was younger. And we would always, you know, talk, we would talk about the Old Testament, but most of the time we focused on Jesus and the Gospels and the letters of Paul. We focused so much on the New Testament that at times the Old Testament would seem just like that, old, ancient, maybe irrelevant, maybe antiquated by the New Testament, maybe made unimportant by Jesus. And I don't think anyone actually said this to me. No one actually told me the Old Testament is irrelevant. Yet at times I felt that way. Then when I attended APU, I began to learn how beautiful the Old Testament was. I began to call it the Hebrew Scriptures instead of the Old Testament for a little bit, just to constantly remind myself that all doesn't mean irrelevant. And then when I began to read Paul, talking about the Gentiles being grafted into the promise of Israel, when I read the Gospels of of how Jesus speaks about the law, the writings, and the prophets, that Jesus found the Hebrew Scriptures as an indication of God's love for us, I began to focus on recalling the importance of the Old Testament in our lives, in my life. You see, if we are to claim the Hebrew Scriptures as part of our story, a part, as a part of who we are as God's people, who we are as the people who follow a Jewish Jesus, who find the letters of a Jewish teacher named Paul as instructive, then I realized I needed to recall and be reminded of the history that we find in the Old Testament. Now, I'm wanting to put weight on this. It's important to read the Old Testament, since here we find our ancestors of faith telling us their story and their encounter with our God. So this is what I love. The entire Old Testament follows the journey of the Israelites. And this morning, we are finding out the origin story of these people, on how they got their name, on who they were named after, and what that name means. So this man, Jacob, who in the night, he's wrestling with a stranger, only for the stranger to find out, I'm not going to win. And a stranger forever scars Jacob by striking on him on the hip. Yet Jacob doesn't let down. He's, he holds on to him and he tells him, even though I have struggled, even though I have damaged forever from your strike, this encounter, one that I won't let down, no, I won't let you go until you bless me. And he is blessed in the midst of this wrestling. Not only does he go throughout the night, this darkness, fighting and not giving up even in the hardest of circumstances, there is a blessing at the end. And there's a change of identity. You will be named Israel, for you struggle with God and with others. And daylight has broken through, and you have been blessed. Yes, you may be damaged, but yes, you have been blessed. The origin story, the name of Israel, the name that we also call as our own identity. Because it's true, I believe, we we too struggle with God. Whether it's our finances, our our marriages, our kids, you name it, we can all affirm we struggle. It's not smooth sailing. Life isn't smooth. And that's why today the sermon is called The Constant Tension. To recall the name defined as those who struggle with God. So I have a rubber band. Well, it's more of a hair tie. Couldn't find a rubber band. Left alone like this, 
it's not serving its purpose, right? It's not serving its purpose if it's left alone like this. Its existence inherently is dependent on it being stretched. It, it depends on it living in tension, right? We don't want to get to the point where it snaps, of course, right? Because then it, we're, we're stretching it too far. But like the rubber band, we realize that the rubber band's existence is dependent on this constant tension, wanting to pull back, wanting to stretch it out, and that's what it's meant to do. This constant tension. It's living in its full reality when it's like this, and I think it's a small example. I should have gotten a bigger rubber band, but it's a small example that shows how our Christian journey, our Christian faith, our faith with God and with others is always in this constant tension. We're always having to balance two or more things. We can never be fully one. And like the rubber band, we need to learn to find fulfillment, to find our existence in this constant tension. So let me clarify what I mean. I want to call to attention just small examples the small examples how the constant tension plays out in three parts in our lives. By the name given to Israel, given to us, we who struggle with God, and I believe we do this in three aspects. We struggle through, with God through our spiritual lives, our physical lives, and our emotional ones. So first, our spiritual lives. While what may seem as the obvious example of this, of a constant tension in our spiritual lives, you know, this tension of us being redeemed and sinners at the same time, of having been forgiven yet also having to confess, this ongoing tension that there's a great chasm between our God and that this chasm is bridged by Jesus, yes, this constant tension is one that's really real in our spiritual lives, but that's not the one I want to focus on this morning. More importantly, I believe that there's this constant tension with faith and with doubt. Always having to balance these two things. Yet nonetheless, you know, they may seem contradictory, but they are so important. Because who here hasn't had any doubts? I'll be the first one to say, not me. I have, I've had mine. Who here has had only doubts? I've been there too. You see, if we all had faith... And no doubts at all, no doubts meaning having a sense of certainty, of absolute assurance of what we believe, then what is the purpose of faith? You see, faith is not faith in the absence of doubt. Faith is only faith in the presence of doubts. They are indicative of our human nature and the mysterious aspect of our God. As Graham Greene once said, doubt is the heart of the matter. Abolish all doubt, and what is left is not faith, but absolutely heartless conviction. We realize that faith doesn't offer all the answers. We, we, we recognize it's complicated, it's restless. We hear the psalmist in Psalms 22 say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Having doubt in the midst of faith. And that's because doubt is essential to faith, the constant tension. Even when all the evidence may be stacked, saying the enemy, the enemy will remain the enemy, and we are told that we are to love them, and that doesn't make sense. I doubt that me showing love to my enemy will disarm them. It doesn't make sense. Yet we are asked to lean into our faith, not because we are certain, but because we are convinced and convicted of our faith in the midst of our doubts. 
the human experience as seen by many others in our scriptures, whether that's Peter or even Moses, who doubted that God could use him. Faith is not made real in the absence, not in the absence of doubts. It is made real in the presence of doubts. And that may be hard to swallow, but that shows how our spiritual life is in constant tension between faith and doubt. One informs the other, and we cannot have one without the other. And now the physical aspects, aspect of our lives. What came to mind when I was thinking about this was death and resurrection. Many, if not all of us, have lost someone. The reality is that death comes to those we don't know, to those we do know. Death doesn't discriminate between the sinners and the saints. And we know one day death will come to us. You know, I see myself as a young man, but I can't run like I used to. You know, I got to make sure I take it easy on my shins. I have to make sure I stretch now. On one hand, we have this reality we cannot shake. Death will always be on one side. Yet we are called that in the midst of this reality, in the midst of having death on one hand, that we are somehow to live in the resurrection of our Lord. That we are to have hope in the fact that Jesus promises life and life abundantly. That one day we will be resurrected in the glory of our Lord. And that somehow we are to be comforted by this. Somehow we're to be convicted by this. We hold this aspect in one hand and we can't help to realize there is this constant tension. There is this constant tension between death and the resurrection. Between the name we inherit, right? Those who struggle with God. Those who when someone passes can't help but look up and say, why God? Why did you take them from me? Why did you take them from us? To struggle with our God and say, why does death exist? And to struggle with the glorious truth on the other hand, the glorious truth that comes through Jesus Christ saying, death does not have its sting anymore. Death does not win. The resurrection, the hope in our Lord who conquered death, this we hold on the other hand and we recognize we will always be living in this constant tension between death and resurrection. We will be human and we'll be mad at God when the reality of life sets in our own lives. But we must recognize the other side. Where life through Christ prevails, the one who conquered death, that we experience on the other hand. We live in this constant tension between death and resurrection. And then I end with emotional, the emotional constant tension we face in our lives. This moment in scripture where we are told to mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. And it makes me so mad because I wish I could just choose rejoicing. But this shows that if we are ignoring the cries of the world, we are being unfaithful to the constant tension we are asked to live. Yes, let's rejoice with those who rejoice. Let us be happy with the good news of Christ. Let us be happy with our families. Let us seek to see all the wonderful things in our world, to seek all the wonderful things God is doing in our lives and in others' lives. And it's true. If we just mourned, we would be forgetting the amen to the good news. 
you're forgetting the amen to the good news that lies in the gospel of our Lord. But at the same time, right, we rejoice. On the other hand, we are holding this constant tension, a mourning with those who mourn. Recognizing that our hearts must break, our hearts must break for what breaks God's. Seeing social injustice, hearing the cries of the, exp- of the oppressed, experiencing mourning, we are asked to stand in solidarity with those who mourn. We must stand in solidarity because, like I said, if we are ignoring the cries of the world, if we are ignoring, ignoring what breaks God's heart, we are being unfaithful to the constant tension that we are called to live. And it's so tough to do both at the same time. Yet by the name of Israel, the name that we inherit, that that is proclaimed as those who struggle with our God, the one who blesses us, and the one who we depend on when we mourn and respond in anger to the injustices of our world, we are called to hold in constant tension, an emotional response of rejoicing and mourning, not to rid of any sadness and just be happy all the time, or not to rid of any rejoicing, for then we have forgotten the good news of our Lord, but to do both, hand in hand. We are to rejoice, but we are also to mourn. The name that we inherit the name that we see in our story today, the name that we identify with and begin to see how the origin story of our name begins with saying, we struggle with our God. Yet we recognize that though we live in the night, we are blessed and that daybreak is coming. So let us continue to live our lives in this constant tension that we call faith. The call that we have to live in this constant tension of what it means to be the church. And let us be encouraged by the name we carry. Amen.